Welcome to the Holy Soup Podcast, where the church's status quo and sacred cows get rounded up, simmered down, and dished out. And now, here's your chief cook, author, innovator, filmmaker, and founder of Group Publishing, Tom Schultz. Welcome to Holy Soup. You know, in my work with churches over the past 40 years or so, sometimes I get to feel like I know too much. I've had the chance to get inside many churches, and what looks great on the outside sometimes is a picture of uh, being plagued with deep problems on the inside. Now, sometimes I'll find this at large, high-profile churches, and sometimes it, uh, it appears in small and medium-sized churches that are not well-known at all. And the problems often result uh, in people who are being deeply wounded. All the while, uh, ministry is being couched in the name of God, and, and uh, abuse nevertheless continues to happen. We're talking about spiritual abuse, where people find themselves caught in a power play that can sometimes have lifelong consequences. Our guest today is Gregory Sammons. He's the director and clinical counselor with Wellspring Retreat and Resource Center in Ohio. Now, this center specializes in spiritual abuse. Welcome, Gregory. Well, thank you, Tom. Glad to be with you today. Well, it's great to have you. Well, let's, let's begin with simply a definition. Help us to understand what is spiritual abuse? What does it look like? Okay, I'd be glad to do that, but I, I think first, if we, if we could just for a second, in the Christian context, if we're looking at the Christian context, mm-hmm. what is spirituality? And I, I just want to kind of give you a brief, what I think a brief definition of spirituality in the Christian context would be, and okay. I, I think that's our relationship with God, mm-hmm. uh, a relationship with Christ, and I'll go f- you know, forward here, and what I think spiritual abuse would be is um, and, and you can read lots of definitions online if you do research on this, but I think it's the misuse of uh, position and power could be part of it. I think uh, also manipulation, undue influence, and inappropriate control would be some formal ways to define it. But I think a person or a group or some kind of system that disrupts uh, my relationship with God or relationship with Christ, my faith, uh, maybe exploitation. And I think spiritual abuse can include a lot of other abuses. I mean, we, we talk about physical abuse, sexual abuse, emotional abuse, mm. exploitation, coercion. I think all those things could be included along with spiritual abuse. Not always, not all those things at every time, but those are some things that can mm. include. I hope, hopefully that kind of give us an idea of what spiritual abuse would be. Maybe you can give me an example of uh, someone who's come into your practice, uh, obviously not uh, identifying anyone or anything identifiable about them, but uh, an example of a typical person who might come in who is uh, suffering from spiritual abuse. What, What kinds of things do you hear? A lot of things I do hear is when a leader has, maybe use deception or manipulation uh, with a person. Uh, control, I think control is a big thing, controlling someone uh, and uh, unduly influencing someone. I guess one way to say it is maybe taking the place of God or using God or spirituality to hurt someone. Mm. Um, well, 
I've got I've got some techniques that do get used. Uh, I think one of the foundations is what uh, is called milieu control, and this was a term that was created by a guy named uh, Robert Lifton, which he um, did a research study and interviews with prisoners of war. And uh, milieu control is uh, controlling the communication of the environment, controlling, uh, uh, c- control. it's like a wall feeling, being trapped into the system. Mm. Uh, an example, I, I, I remember a pastor telling his congregation not to read the newspaper. Uh, all they need to be reading was the Bible or, or maybe that specific church's literature and mm. not allowing... Uh, the congregation, the liberty of uh, maybe uh, being connected with the community. So that is a really extreme example of what milieu control would be, that that high demand control. Mm, Wow, you bring up the example of a prisoner of war, and I've actually seen people like that who seem to be suffering from some spiritual abuse, and and they they seem to have what uh, I would associate with somebody who has gone through a prisoner of war kind of situation where they they seem almost in a in a state of uh, disconnectedness and and uh, hopelessness that uh, comes with that. A- absolutely, many of my clients have had PTSD mm. symptoms uh, clinically. Uh, because they have felt trapped into a system. And, um, you know, the original study that I, I, um, I, uh, that I um, cited with Robert Lipton, the, the, uh, the work that he did with prisoners of war, since then, you know, as, as that's, been, that's become a standard model or a classic model that we have looked at where you don't have to have barbed wire, wire mm. and uh, machine guns pointed at people to... Uh, to make them feel trapped and helpless and, and uh, uh, feel like they're in a prison, absolutely. Mm. Well, as you've worked with people over these many years, what are the symptoms of spiritual abuse? How, how would somebody even know that they're suffering from spiritual abuse? Well, I think uh, there's uh, many times uh, clients will have anxiety and depression uh, you know, after being in an unhealthy environment like that. And uh, I've, I've got a list here, a pastor or someone might see. Uh, the individual may, uh, they grow quite anxious, maybe around clergy. Um, uh, for example, I, I've, I've worked with some clients that have been sexually abused or molested uh, by a priest or a clergy or, or a pastor. And, and uh, you know, around a person of position, of that position, uh, they may be a trigger there because, you know, this, this person hurt me in the name of God or in the name of religion, you know, uh, I, uh, I'm likely to be anxious around someone mm-hmm. else. Mm-hmm. Um, um, they, they're probably fearful uh, when reading or listening to scripture passages or maybe, maybe a, a, a song that might have been played in that congregation, uh, sometimes even passages that would be comforting for you and I uh, if some if that was a scripture that might have been twisted or, or used in in an unhealthy way uh, that could be disturbing to someone. Mm. Uh, individual may feel incompetent at work or school. Uh, they may feel out of place in social situations. Uh, they could be angry towards clergy, God, or you know even the scriptures. I, I had a client that walked in one time and. 
we we try to provide support for our clients, but we do not uh, proselytize or evangelize. We, we, we try to provide a lot of clinical work. But we do have um, Christian material available at our facility. Uh, we have Bibles available. Mm-hmm. And I remember one lady came in, and she didn't even want to see a Bible laying on the table. She was so triggered and wow. so you know hurt from her experience. So that, that was a stressor for her. Hmm. Um, clients uh, or or Survivors of uh, spiritual abuse uh, may feel sad at birthday parties or weddings, uh, you know, just normal life events that we have, baby showers and uh, other life events. Uh, there may be some sadness in, in those situations. Uh, remember, um, uh, maybe carrying a lot of guilt, a lot of un, undeserved guilt or feeling, uh, even after they repent. Um, they may feel uh, separated from God. So th- those are some things mm. that you might see in someone that's had those experiences. And what do you typically see when someone has really been spiritually abused in terms of their relationship or association with a church? Do these people typically run from and no longer want to be uh, close to a church again, or what do you typically see there? Right. I, 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 I have, I've seen both sides of it. Uh, I've even had clients, um, sometimes we've had two or three clients from different situations come at once because we we do group support as well and we may have someone that comes in and they're clinging to their faith and they're finding comfort in their faith to carry them through some of their recovery and we may have another client that you know your your, their faith has been shattered and maybe at that time it's too much to even even consider uh, looking at the bible or looking at something spiritual and we we welcome them as well because we're there to support them where they are, and uh, my my job is to you know address some of the clinical issues uh, uh, with a client and give them that support and love, and hopefully at some point in their life they will find comfort in 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 their faith again. But uh, and you know they've been times uh, we have had. Uh, a time when we'd sit down for lunch with uh, with our clients, three or four, and, and one client may want to uh, say grace before a meal, and another client doesn't feel comfortable. So mm. I've had to be diplomatic and maybe work out a compromise. Sometimes we've done a silent prayer or a uh, the Lord's Prayer, you know, and, you know, it's, uh, it's a case-by-case thing. Mm. Uh, I recall one time we had a client wanted to listen to her uh, praise music. The other client was getting triggered. So, yeah, I'd had to be dif- diplomatic and say, well, maybe you can put headphones on or listen in your room. And we, we, we try to be supportive of each other. Mm. And I, I think that means a lot to someone that is in recovery, being tolerant and being accepting. Uh, one of my favorite hymns and, uh, is Just As I Am Without One Plea mm-hmm. and allowing uh, uh, people to come as they are. Mm. Well, when you think about uh, spiritual abuse, in your experience, who are the abusers? The abusers, well, and we, when we think about this, we think about a lot of leadership, and I think we had talked a little earlier, maybe before the program, I mean, it can happen both ways. People in congregation in the congregation be, can be abusive for board members. But the abusers typically are people uh, some of the traits, there was actually there was some research Dr. Martin had done, and a lot of uh, a lot of the traits we do see in p- 
people that are abusive. And it's not just abusive leaders in churches in any organization. Or are Many of them are narcissistic. Uh, the personality of an abusive person could be narcissistic. And uh, uh, people that... Um, some notorious <laughs> uh, leaders that we could think uh, that was in this study was... Uh, even abusive political leaders like Adolf Hitler mm-hmm. and and um, some of the notorious co-leaders that we've uh, 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 we all have probably seen in the news over the years and mm-hmm. things Jim Jones and and um, David Koresh and some of these uh, abusive um, leaders have had some narcissistic or sociopathic kind of personalities. Hmm. So. Uh, sometimes it, it's a case of uh, <laughs> taking the the uh, old f- uh, phrase of bully pulpit and uh, becoming that, becoming a bully in the pulpit. And at other times, it's uh, uh, members of the congregation or members of boards or committees or councils who they become the abuser, maybe to the person in the pulpit or maybe to other members. It sounds like it's uh, it's people who are in positions of power can become an abuser. I think that's right. Uh, if you're in a position of power, it's easier, you know, to to um, abuse that power. And now we do need good leaders. We need good leadership. What what the problem is? A lot of times, those positions of authority go unchecked, and there always needs to be checks and balances. Um, you know, our, our government here in America, we, we, we are the founding fathers. They, they try to set up some checks and balances. We have Congress and we have uh, vote, voting and, you know, uh, uh, checks and balances to the different branches of, of the government. And I, I think that's so important in the church as well. We need some kind of checks and balances and we need boards and uh, we need um, we, we need that um, – uh, checks and balances to make sure we're treating everyone, we're treating people um, good. We need to treat others well. Mm-hmm. well. What causes a person to become an abuser? What have you found about their background or uh, their personality or their character or whatever? What, what causes a person to become an abuser? Well, as, as I mentioned, that uh, some people have a personality that... Uh, but that's not the whole part of it. I think that is part of it. Uh, I think many of us, if we tried to to um, be that controlling bully, we probably couldn't pull it off. I don't think I could pull it off myself. <laughs> um, but I think you have to have that personality of um, of um, to to be part of it. The other part of it is when others allow them to get away with it. When uh, every and I'll, I'll use the, I'll use the C word, the cult leader. The cult leader depends on his followers, mm. and that person um, is probably the most insecure person in the world. These abusive leaders and abusers are very insecure people, mm. and they depend on others to adore them and to lift them up and to follow them. And I, I think that's, um, that's something we should recognize about abusive and controlling leaders. And some people kind of 
turn their head or, you know, just uh, seem surprised when I say they're more insecure than the victim is. And they are. They're depending on that uh, victim or that follower to adore them, follow them. And and um, I think if we start recognizing that, we can feel empowered ourselves. Hey, I don't have to follow this person. Mm. I think uh, you touched on this a little bit earlier, Do but do abusers uh, sometimes uh, attempt to place themselves almost in uh, either a godlike position or a, uh, a link between God and others who they are abusing? And uh, whenever you would question someone like that, uh, they like to uh, portray that as, well, you're questioning God if you're questioning me. That that is right. A a controlling leader in a spiritual setting um, many times will try to replace God, mm. and that that is some of the hideousness and unhealthiness about uh, leadership that um, that wants to do that or that that carries that out. And if I'm a seeker and I'm I'm looking to serve God, and and it it doesn't always happen all at once. It, a lot of times the subtleness of it is is the most dangerous. And um, if I'm wanting to serve God, and this person is supposed to be representing God, and they tell me, okay, if I leave the, the group that I'm involved in, or if I go outside the group, or go against something the group is standing for, then I'm on the brink of going to hell, or getting sick, or... My kids are going to get sick. These are some of the um, manipulative things that might be said if I challenge the the, the leader or um, maybe uh, consider maybe getting away from the group. And um, I, I recall uh, a client sharing with me. Uh, of course, we all probably recall 9/11 when when uh, the World Trade Centers mm-hmm. were attacked. Uh, back in 2001, and uh, um, a client told us about this one pastor said that, uh, you know, I I, uh, prophesied this was going to happen, and uh, she, the the pastor, she did not predict or prophesy that jihadist terrorists was going to attack the World Trade Center, but she used something that a lot of pastors probably have said, you know, God's going to judge our country someday. So it was something vague that she had said. She used 9-11 mm-hmm. as uh, a way of saying, hey, I'm speaking for God, and I, I knew this was going to happen. Well, she could have used uh, uh, earth, earthquakes in California or Hurricane uh, Katrina or something, some national disaster or some terrible thing that's happened. But she used a vague thing of God's going to judge our country, and when a disaster happens, um, she, it, and I, I call this magical thinking or mystical manipulation. Mm. It's um, it's one of Lifton's uh, techniques or criteria that's talked about in Lifton's study. It's the claim of divine authority or spiritual advancement that allows the leader to reinterpret events as he or she wishes, mm. to make prophecies or pronouncements that will all for the purpose of controlling those group members. So it's a way to control the group members. And, you know, if I'm seeking God, who's going to argue with God? And if, it's, if I believe this person represents God, how can I argue with it? How can I question it? Mm. 
but I think I think God can handle our questions. I think Jesus challenged the leaders of his time, and I think I think if we look at Christ and look at Jesus Christ, uh, I think he may. Um, he provided a model for us, and he did stand up to leaders. And you know, if I if I am a spiritual leader representing God, I should be able to handle some questions. Mm. Critical thinking is very important mm. to keep your group, church, system, relationship healthy. Mm. Well, how does a spiritually abused person heal from their terrible experience? Sometimes it takes a lot of therapy. Um, we, uh, provide like a 10 day, 10 days of treatment. Hmm. Uh, we all heal differently, but I think some of the basic things is recognizing, Hey, it wasn't your fault. Hmm. You were deceived. You were duped. And we've all probably, if we would admit it, we've all been duped one way or another, but some on a spiritual level, I think that's a lot more intense and a lot more, um, uh, damaging, uh, but there can be healing. We're always going to be in recovery from life events. Uh, but there is a place of fulfillment we can get to and a place of healing. Mm. And I think that begins in recognizing that, you know, it wasn't my fault. Many times people will leave a controlling, abusive group. And they've even sent my office and said, I know I'm going to hell, but I, I uh, just could not stand to be there anymore. Or they're second guessing. Maybe I was wrong to leave the group. We need that assurance sometimes. No, uh, and I call that floating. We and it's very common to have that symptom of going back and forth. Was I wrong? Mm. Because you've been in that group maybe ten years or five years, and you just came out. It's going to take some time to heal. It's going to mm. take some time to process. You know what happened, how it happened, and how how do I move on with my life and and get to a fulfilling place in my life again. What about the other side of the equation from the abuser point of view? How does a spiritual abuser stop that behavior and become healthy again? Right, right. And and that's one of the sad things. I've not seen very many abusers or controlling people willingly want to come and get help. I, I can't say it's never happened, but I've not seen seen it very often and I've been at Wellspring for 15 years I know of one person who came that was a um, what we've seen as an abusive leader in a church he came for a couple days he and his wife and he didn't complete the program (laughs) he left early Hmm. he got a little upset with us I think and he he did not want to complete the program He, he said no I wasn't a cult leader and, you know, all the evidence that we've seen, you know, there was some problems in, in your church. And uh, I, I've not, typically, uh, people that have been abusive, and, and if we could look at this as uh, the dynamics of domestic abuse is very similar, of a domestic re- uh, abusive relationship. Mm-hmm. And many times, if um, those abusers, don't always get help unless they get caught or they get arrested or they get incarcerated when if they're made to go to counseling or made made to get help and that's not always been successful either maybe they go through the hoops of you know doing what they need to do to take care of their legal issues it's a sad thing to say but uh i i don't see it happen very much Mm. when you look at some of the notorious 
leaders that I mentioned earlier, they they never seen themselves as hurting people. Um, abusive leaders deceive themselves. Uh, they deceive others and they deceive themselves because they, they rationalize and say, hey, I'm helping these people. Mm. Yeah, maybe I'm tough on these people, or but I'm teaching them something that they need to know, or I'm, I'm providing protection for them from all these uh, it's a us and them mentality, and these other churches are not as spiritual as we are, so mm. you're going to get the better teaching here from me. So mm. those are some of the attitudes of, of controlling leaders. Mm. Uh, so it sounds like uh, some of these uh, high-profile cases that we've become aware of across the country, whether it's a, a cult leader or a high-profile Christian leader in a high-profile church who has uh, been exposed as a spiritual abuser and has maybe uh, crashed for a time, and some people may have hopes that that person has uh, maybe stepped away from their leadership role for a while, and maybe they can come back healed and and ready to uh, assume leadership again, but it sounds like from at least your experience that uh, that process of uh, abusing and uh, being exposed for that rarely leads to the person being restored and coming back to be able to assume a healthy position of leadership. Yeah, I, and I, I don't mean to sound so negative, or and I, I definitely am not disputing that a person could um, come to a place of of, of uh, repentance. I, I'm not disputing that at all because I, I believe God can work miracles mm-hmm. in people's lives and can can uh, soften hard hearts but um i i've not seen a lot of uh, a lot of people that's been in that position of power and you know i i, I would guess it's probably hard to give that up to give up that power and that mm-hmm. control when mm-hmm. when you you've you've had it for so long mm-hmm. and um uh and I, I really don't want to sound negative, but I've not seen a lot of success. Yeah. Well, I, I typically work with those who have been hurt and been through the pain and been the victims. And uh, I've not worked a lot with the ones that have been the controllers, the abusers. Hmm. Um, but uh, Well, that says something I, I right there. I'm not disputing that they could could come and uh, come around and... and um, uh, come to repentance mm-hmm. of, of, of the pain they've caused mm-hmm. on others. Yeah. Well, as we wrap up here, uh, you know, in, in our book, uh, Why Nobody Wants to Go to Church Anymore, we uncovered four main reasons that people have fled the organized church. One of those is uh, hypocrisy. Now, we've heard this one for a long time, that uh, people get fed up with people who uh, say one thing and do another. But uh, today it seems like there's a nuanced meaning when people use that word hypocrisy. And what we found is that uh, people are fed up with uh, Christians or Christian leaders who act like they have all the answers, that they are the ultimate authority who is not to be questioned. And uh, as as you, Gregory, talk about uh, spiritual abuse, that, that reminds me of uh, some of the things that these people have described to us, uh, people recoiling from that type of, of power play. In the book, we, we offer a different path to that uh, uh, area of, of uh, consternation that people have, and, and we call it genuine humility. It's kind of the opposite of, of hypocrisy, and uh, it's a way for, for people, whether we are in leadership or not, to 
uh, glow the love of Christ in such a way that uh, is magnetic rather than off-putting. And uh, we describe that fully in, in the book, Why Nobody Wants to Go to Church Anymore. The book is available at uh, group.com or at bookstores or at online retailers. Well, Gregory, thank you so much for joining us today and helping us to understand this uh, looming thing called spiritual abuse. And hopefully uh, it is something that uh, through the work that you do and, and others do, it can be reduced and people can find healing and help. And those who are the abusers can uh, find help for themselves and find a new way of life that uh, does not prey on people in that way. Thank you so much, Tom. I hope I've said something that's been helpful today. You certainly have. Thank you so much. And we'll see everybody next time on uh, the Holy Soup Podcast. See you then.